Bondi Australia. How are you going? How are you going? Are you going well? I hope so, because it is NBA Australia. It's Wednesday. Um, June 8th. June 8th? June 8th. All right, June 8th. Uh, the NBA Finals. We're right in the thick of them. I'm your host, James Clements. Today, though, talking NBA Finals Game 3 preview with special guest... Brisbane Bullets superstar Jason Caddy. That's right. Bit stoked on that. Exciting times. We've got a sick chat with Jason about the Bullets, uh, about the NBL season, about COVID, uh, what he's been up to since the season ended, along with some yeah nahs, and most of our Game 3 preview, which is gnarly. It's a ripper chat. We've got here three big questions for him. It's awesome. Uh, so that's pretty much basically today's show. So we're going to finish up with a quick game preview for Golden State of Boston uh, for Thursday. Also, we've got the Dallyversary of Dally's Game 3 back in 2015. We end up in hospital, and that's a great moment in NBA Australia stat history. We've got that later as well. And we'll close out the show with the Jingles HR. So a real quick one today. How good's that? Stoked, mate. Stoked. All right, let's buddy well get into it. Episode 830 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better. Or the emotion attack if you're uh, Danny Ainge. I did not want to part with Quinn Swider. It breaks my heart, says Danny. Sure, Danny. Sure. It's the same bloke who signed Aaron Banger's Baines on the uh, promise that he wouldn't be traded and then fucking traded him. So Danny Ainge can blow it out of his bottom. Right. Let's start off today's show. Uh, Before we get to Jace, uh, just talking some... The old uh, Daily Whipper. Bit of news, Quinn Snyder. So plenty of fallout coming out of the uh, resignation, oh, mutual decision to part ways, uh, of Quinn Snyder leaving the Yaz. Donnie Mitchell, obviously we talked about that tweet on Monday. He was unsure, unsettled, and not entirely convinced about his future of the franchise, etc. Uh, but it does turn to stark relief where the Jazz sit right now. And as I said on Monday's show, how it buys them at least a year of uh, running back the Donnie Mitchell, Rudy Gobez, combo uh, to see how it goes. But of course, as I said on Monday's show, the problem wasn't exactly Donnie and Rudy. The problem was their horrible wings. Like when Royce O'Neal is your only above average wing, it's like, oh, but Jimmy Boyan Bogdanovich tries. Yeah, but he's shit. He can score. But uh, the best time he could play defense was literally three years ago. So... Anyway, uh, some tricky stuff there. So Danny Ainge came out and was like, yeah, look, I didn't want it to happen, but here we are. It's like, geez, Danny, who was the person who could have stopped it from happening? Oh, gee, do you think it was you, bro? He desperately wanted Snyder to stay. Desperately. 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 It's a trap. Yeah, desperately. Um, But look, I'll take Danny Ainge at his word. Right. Either way. There's a uh, coaching opening. We'll see what happens there with Utah. Charlotte! You might remember them, the Hornets. They still don't have a coach. Jimmy, really? Like, yeah, they don't. 
Uh, so they're bringing back Mike D'Antoni and my man, Kenny Atkinson, uh, who have both already had a couple of meetings with the Hornets management. They're going to meet with uh, MJ. Michael Jordan, you might you might know him too. <laughs> yeah, you might know Michael Jordan, I guess. Oh, sometimes, sometimes I want to be like Mike. Um, sometimes I feel. Uh, either way, Atkinson and D'Antoni, they've both had uh, meetings already. They're going to hang out with MJ, and basically it's going to be those two. One of those two is going to get the job. D'Antoni with LaMelo Ball just feels like basketball cocaine. So hook me the fuck up. And even though I've talked about how much I love Kenny Atkinson in this development role in Charlotte, I mean, the development is really, you've already got Terry Rose. Terry Rose, you've got Miles Bridges. You've got PJ Hamilton, Washington. You've got basically a bunch of really good young NBA pieces who have been around for a couple of years now. Just hook them up to the Dan Tony machine and let him go hog wild. It's like, oh, we don't have a center. Dan Tony's like, I don't give a fuck. Let's go. <laughs> I'm here for it. So as much as I love Kenny Atkinson and his player development nows and skills and what he did in Brooklyn while I was there, it's like, yeah, hook me up to the Dan Tony chaos machine in Charlotte with those uniforms. Dude, it could be the start of the 90s all over again. We've got Muggsy Bogues. We've got LJ. We've got Alonzo Mourning. Charlotte will be the place to be. D'Antoni, LaMelo Ball. You thought Steve Nash could win back-to-back MVPs with D'Antoni. Just watch LaMelo. Let's go. I reckon. Anyway, uh, so we'll see what happens there. The Lakers. The Lakers. The Lakers. The Lakers stink. Uh, they're also hiring Rashid Wallace, which is amazing. Uh, he's signing on to be an assistant with uh, the Lakers under Darvin Ham. They were teammates on the uh, Pistons in 04 who beat. The Lakers, which is pretty neat, pretty gnarly. But also, this just puts every ref in the NBA just on notice, doesn't it? Like, every ref in the NBA saw that news and went, oh, fuck, come on, seriously? <laughs> As if my shit isn't hard enough. Anyway, and the last little bit of news, I enjoyed this today. Pat Riley's like, yo, I'm 77. I can do more push-ups than you, and I'm not quitting. You can't make me. I'm Pat fucking Riley. And then was also asked about Kyle Lowry. He's like, he's definitely going to have to address this. And it's going to be addressed. What are you addressing? The fact that he's a fat bastard? Yes. Because <laughs> Pat Riley then went on to say, I definitely think he can be in better shape. We'll address it and try to help him. I kind of want to join the heat organization. <laughs> Just so they can force me to get in shape. Oh, God. My legs still hurt from today's run. <laughs> anyway. That's right, Jimmy. You're a fat bastard. Right. That's all the news right now. Uh... Let's go speak to Jason Kadee of the Brisbane Bullets. Recurring guest, absolute legend. It's a nice, fun chat, and then we pop back after that. We'll do the uh, Game 3 mini preview of my pick and uh, everything for that. Right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. All 
All right, here's the captain of the Brisbane Bullets. How many game NBL vet? 300 plus at this point, I reckon. He's a boomer, gold medal winner. A bloke who loves nothing more than giving Shane Hill hell. Love that. Uh, look at this year, he turned into bloody Steph Curry against the Sixers, if you remember that game. Jesus! He is a part of the larger NBA Strayer, Dad Strayer family, because I reckon last time he was on, he was part of about eight guests in a row who, who all had kids at about the same time. Now he's got two of them. It's bloody Jason Kadee. What's going on, Jason? How you going? <laughs> Doing exactly what you just said, looking after the kids. Now it's off-season time. <laughs> So, you've now got two. I've still only got one. I've got a three-year-old. And I reckon we spoke to you. You came on the show. You're now a recurring guest. I'm going to have to send you a T-shirt. Um, Perfect. Sobes, you, uh, Glids. Like, literally, it felt like every... And then Drimmick came on the show as well. Now he's got a kid as well. It's just like it's on for young and old. There's kids everywhere. I feel like not only well, is this... Your show or it's Brisbane? One of the two <laughs> starts it off. I should be nervous now that I'm on it. I love it. This is great. But I feel like, you know, this generation of Australian basketball is awesome, but also might be incredible next time around. You know what I'm saying? So, yes. Either way, what have you been up to? What's happening? The season's finished for the NBL. Uh, what have you been up to since? Um, not much. Playing for the Gold Coast Rollers in the NBL one um, with my. Good friend, best mate, Anthony Petrie coaching, so that's been nice. Um, just family time, honestly, getting away little bits throughout the week and then just playing some games on weekends. It's been pretty good. Living the life. Love it. Um, I mean, weird year though, right? Like this was kind of the first real feeling NBL year in a couple of years. Um, you had a new coach. You guys go, what, 10 and 18? Pretty rough yeah. one. How did that all go? Like what was that year feeling like for you guys? Yeah, uh, kind of how you just described it. Um a lot of change, uh, a lot of different stuff going on. Mix in uh, injuries to two of our main guys. COVID break right before Christmas for two weeks. Uh, then our whole team basically had to flu at the end of the season. It was kind of just a mess uh, from almost start to finish, realistically, because we started the season. On the right, we had three weeks in Tassie, came home for a day and then had to leave for two and a half weeks and go to Perth. Um, so it was kind of, yeah, look, it was it was a mess from start to finish. Was it nice playing in front of fans again, though, properly? It was good. Like, I mean, outside of the kind of um, two, like that kind of period at the start of the year and then mixed in with the, like kind of after our COVID, basically, when we all got COVID around Christmas, we had a very average Christmas, New Year's, and then <laughs> after that, it was pretty normal for us, which was really nice, like to be able to travel and talk to people and see fans and mingle with fans and family and friends and just all that stuff. It was very, very nice, and I'm just extremely hopeful that that's exactly what we'll have next year from start to finish. Yeah, sweet. I mean, well, I mean, you guys obviously spending all that time in Tassie, those fans down there, you see them in the finals as well up against Sydney. Was that a bit of an eye-opening experience for you, just like seeing that and just going, holy crap, I didn't quite expect this. Like Tassie, my lord. No, not really, I guess. I mean, if you look at Tassie, I mean this in the nicest of possible ways, there's not a whole heap going on down there sporting-wise and stuff like that, if that makes sense. And so, like, I kind of – I mean, probably not to the extent in terms of where they got to and how they're in the finals and stuff. I didn't expect that, that's for sure. But in terms of the fan base and their crowd – um, I mean, they've had their their Siebel teams down there for years doing well that they've always supported. And so 
rolling in for the first game and then having a sold out stadium. It's the perfect sized arena for that play for that uh, city to really just like turn it into a little beautiful venue for for a home team. And that's exactly what I thought when I first walked into it. I just thought this is the perfect stadium for this for this state, and it and it turns out it exactly yeah. it was exactly that. I mean, it also adds one more place that you've got to go to and play for for a bit just to complete the set, right? Because you've only got Perth and Melbourne to go, I think. <laughs> I think we talked about that last Settle time, up. right? It's like everybody, <laughs> you've done, you're trying to do the lap, and now they've added Tassie. You're like, ah, oh, geez, I've got to play for one more year, but that's all right. Go play another one. I mean, look, it's only been a few teams, not that many teams. Gold Coast folded, so. But, uh, uh, no, I, you never know. You never know. I won't say anything. You never know. I've got one year left in Brisbane, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of that, I mean, Sobes is back. You Froling, Harry's back after yeah. a year down in Illawarra, and you've got the Statman himself putting up stats, Cody Statman. How do you look forward to next year? Like, what's the prep like? How excited do you get? Like, what's the ramp up to next season as well? Like, how do you sort of look at it from now? We're at the start of June. You're like, all right, I got a bit of time off, but... When do you start getting really psyched and pumped? Um, yeah, not for a while, I guess. It's Maybe when I was younger, it was a bit the opposite. But now it's kind of one of those things too. Like I probably see more what's going on behind the scenes with our team and stuff now than I did when I was in my first four, five years, six years. And so um, for our group now, I think we're going to heavily rely on imports. Obviously, you can see um, with just the talent around and what's available and, and who we are able to get and who we're not able to get, it's, it's very very different time at the moment with the ownership change and JD in his first year of trying to sign people and what who he wants. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I'm excited to see who we end up with and, and where we're going as a group. Um, hopefully that's forwards because obviously this year we went backwards. So you obviously don't want to step on the floor and have another year like we did last year, considering for years we've been very close to, to being right there. And so um, for me, I kind of look at it, I really enjoy playing NBL one. It's kind of one of those things where it's it's not too much. It's just enough to keep me ticking over. And it's, I mean, I'm a basketball person. I always have been. So for me, playing in that is refreshing. Believe it or not, um, just a different environment, different people. As I said, not as much on the serious side to an extent, but it's just it's fun for me. And it's it's kind of a mental refresher just playing in that, but also being able to kind of take a break throughout weeks, as I said, and get away and do stuff with the family as well. Yeah, I do love how, like, the end, end of the NBL season, then you sort of have, you know, all the players sort of just scattering to, like, the ends of the earth. And it's yeah. like, whether it be overseas or whether it be, like, you know, Ringwood <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. You're like, cool, <laughs> this is great. Like, just random random nights, you just got NBL stars hanging out, playing in uh, NBL, NBL one games, and you're like, this is really, really cool, and... I can imagine, yeah, like it's one of those moments for like you who's just grown up around basketball like 24-7. It's also just going to be about the vibe, right? Like you're just going to be like, yes, this is, uh, this is almost like a holiday basically. Yeah, it is. And it's like one of those things too. Like sometimes I, I kind of after playing in it and like you, you play in some of those venues like across, like for example, Queensland the last few years and you go to a Rockhampton and Mackay and it's packed out like little places maybe anywhere from – 700 to 2,000 people in it and the bloke on the baseline sitting there drinking a beer and he's probably been doing it for 30 years and he's talking <laughs> to you as the game's going on and you're kind of going back and forth and it, I kind of feel like that's what basketball was supposed to be before a stupid amount of money and business people got involved and it turned into <laughs> this massive thing with TV networks and everything, you know what I mean? Like yeah. 
you, you go play in these in these arenas and there's a bar at the end of the floor and there's boxes around and there's just everyone's so close to the court. Like we were in Townsville on the weekend. The whole baseline was full of 15, 16-year-old boys with a big drum <laughs> talking crap the whole game to me. And I was just like it, – it was some banter, but it was just it's, – it's a fun environment and they're just – you can't help but feel like that's just it's it's something that you do want to be part of when you get the chance to. Yeah, having grown up in Ballarat, like we had the miners, so like we've got that you know exactly that sort of exact vibe. That's what we grew up going to all the time, and like. Uh, but that's like as you said, like Ballarat, that's where you really get those kind of aviation atmospheres, right? Like those country towns that just yep. like when the season's on, they're all about it, and you go there, and it's the same people kind of there it's it's the same crowd they get good crowds and it's just like it's it's a cool environment it's always good fun that's the part to it. it's good and you can tell people enjoy going people enjoy playing there and then for like for example myself being in place like townsville on the weekend doesn't have nba at the moment or hasn't had for a while like it's probably cool for people to say they see me playing there not that i think anything of it but they probably think that some of them get to see me play some of the young people and it's just it's good fun yeah that's awesome Opposite of this, you know, opposite of Ballarat basketball, the NBA Finals. So how have you been yes. keeping up? Have you been enjoying it? Yeah, I've been watching a little bit. I probably honestly haven't watched as much this year as I have in recent years. Um, well, it's because the Lakers – it's been the Lakers. They've been shit, haven't they, Jace? Come on, what are you doing? Maybe. I, I lost interest <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> watching them was extremely painful. Um, so it's probably a little bit to do, that, do with that. But um, I think for like – multiple angles it's pretty cool to see golden state back there after having a few tough years and then boston like i mean i don't think anyone expected boston to make it and get as far as they have so yeah yeah it's been an incredible second half of the year for boston where they just sort of turned it on and they sneaked through those last two series of the playoffs going seven rip off some insane wins also have some horrible losses and you're like oh god they made it and then the well, game, just, yeah, game one, they, they, lived, they lit them up in the fourth quarter. And then game two, they get lit up by the Warriors in the third quarter, the old uh, third quarter Warriors hammer. I mean, game three, it's sort of so perfectly set up that I'm like, this is, uh, a, you know, it's definitely, it feels like the beginnings and the makings of a seven-game series, which I love. But there was that moment, I think, Steph gets cooking in the third quarter of game two, hits four threes. You hit five threes earlier this year against Adelaide. Like, you've got to be sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I did better. Fuck that. Come on, Steph. What are you doing, mate? <laughs> I do not. I do not do that. Because <laughs> I feel like no matter what, it does not look – nothing really looks as good as that man when he gets going. That's for sure. I don't know as many prettier things than, than Steph getting hot. That's for sure. But I think – so I, the reason I sort of bring that up is when you're playing in a game with someone who just lit, lights it up like that, like, what's the feeling on the rest of the team? Are they just like, holy shit, we can do anything we want. This is awesome. And off they go. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Like, I mean, it's one of those things, too, when you get in kind of a zone like that. Like, a lot of the time, whatever you shoot, you feel like it's going in, even if it does miss. And so I think, like, when – I wouldn't say there's a whole heap of people that can really get going like that, but the ones that do that you kind of know of, like, if it's on your team or someone, when they get going, it's kind of just like sometimes you forget you're playing and you just want to watch <laughs> but it's like it's just one of those rare things right like there isn't a whole lot of dudes that can just go out and just get real hot in a hurry like that like there's people that can get busy and get buckets in different ways but like when someone gets it going from three it's just it's kind of like a different world of watching stuff right because everyone knows how hard it is just to make one three let alone string them together or make a heap in one quarter and so on yeah 
Have you played with somebody like that who's just like absolutely lit it up and you're just like, holy shit, I'm along for the ride. This is awesome. <laughs> like, yes. Like you'd end up basically yeah, there was streaming. A few. There was one that I remember real early on and I grew up watching Harv's James Harvey play. Awesome. And I remember it was like, it was the end of my first year. I think it was the last game of the year we played in Sydney at the entertainment center. We used to run this play where I'd come off a 45 uh, pick and roll and he would come off a pin down. And he just, Harz was one of the elite shooters off pin downs. And he came off and whacked like two or three in a row. And then I remember the next one, I hit the roller, who I think scored. And I remember Harz saying, yo, don't ever not pass me the ball again <laughs> when I'm rolling. And I was like, righto. So I think for the rest of that quarter, I, I reckon he would have had 20 for the quarter. But it was one like early on. And there were training sessions too. We had like guys like Goulding when he was younger and so on. But Harz was just, that was one of the first experience I had playing outside of juniors where I was just like, this is this is for real. Awesome. Um, that's great. Was he was he on the Kings or with you or the, he was yeah. he was with us at the Gold Coast. Oh, the year. Blaze, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, fuck. That's that's so long ago now. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> that just hurt it my really brain is. thinking about how long ago that was. Oh, anyway, um, I've got three big things for Game Three of the Finals to quickly go through with you. Number one, how quickly do you think Draymond gets kicked out of Game Three, and what do you reckon? What for? Like, does he kick somebody in the loaf? What's he doing? Like, um, do you think the refs, after seeing what he did in game two, him not getting kicked out because uh, he already had the tech and the refs are like, well, we don't want to give him another one. That's that's fair. I'm all, I'm all on board with that. But at the same time, game three, it's a clean slate and I swear he's going to get booted before halftime. I, I think he'll rein it in. I think at the end of the day, Draymond does have a switch sometimes where I think he... he can lose it, but I, I think he's also a competitor and seems like he understands basketball pretty well. And I feel like, as we, as you just said, he, he really pushed the boundary in game two where he was probably l- very, very lucky to be able to play out the game to now I think the refs will be – they won't give him a chance this game if he's going to carry on. They can't just continue to give him a leash that, that extends forever. So I, I feel like he'll, he, he'll try and be really, really smart about it, but – once if the game gets a bit out of hand, oh, I won't. <laughs> Everything I just said out the window, <laughs> he could flip out and lose it. Do you think you get a longer leash playing in front of your home fans in a situation like that? Yeah. Right? Yep. Because you got to remember too, right? Like refs are humans, so like if someone if they're all cheering and trying to help you, like you're obviously they, whether they say it influences them or not, I don't necessarily disagree or agree, but they can hear it, and so. Draymond's going off and that whole crowd in Boston is trying to get him a tech. There's something in that ref's head that keeps saying tech, tech, tech. <laughs> uh, second big thing, Al Horford, Derek White, basically your role players with the difference for the Celtics in game one. Uh, they got barely anything from the role dudes in game two. You basically had Tatum doing most of the heavy lifting. Jalen Brown couldn't hit anything. Celtics at home, it's obviously the second big thing is like whether or not the role players step up in their first game at home, right? So... In a series, do you think it's game three where they really lock in those role players on the Celtics or do you think it sort of gets a bit over them and like Golden State can run over the top of them? Well, I mean, look, if you go on how Boston's played the last two series, they're probably chewing favourites to win this game, right? Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. It's like they almost plan hundred <laughs> percent to win one and then they get blown out and then they come out and win and they get blown out. That's what that whole Boston series, I mean, uh, Miami series was. So I feel like, I feel like there's an element of they'll be ready to go. Um, but I just, I don't know. There's just, I sometimes think like, is there something about having grand final experience? And I just think there is. And I think 
the Warriors have that hunger in them after not being there for a few years. People saying they wouldn't get back there. And when you've got guys like Steph and people want to say Clay's been pretty MIA for the first two games, I, it would not surprise me to see Clay come out and go whack, whack, whack to start the game. And all of a sudden, here come Golden State. Yeah. It feels like it's the sort of situation where Steve Kerr would look at it and go, look, we tried to get Clay going at the end of game two in garbage time. Let's even just try to get him going at the start of game three just to see what happens, right? Well, I think you you got to, and that's the part of like also going on the road. You have to sometimes chant some stuff on the road too, and you need guys like Clay. So, okay, everything, everything runs through Steph. We all know that. But if a guy like Clay gets going, now Steph's life's become easier, and now Draymond and so on. They all it just filters down the thing. So I think uh, if you're Golden State, you want Clay to get going because it just frees up Paul and everyone else so quickly rather than just Steph. Yeah. That sort of actually leads into the last big thing, which is pretty much a summation of the entire series. It's like Boston's defense trying to keep a lid on dudes like Steph, Clay, and Paul, game in, game out. Which actually, you know, when Boston's defense plays well, it gives their offense a chance. You saw that in game one. But really, is Golden State's offense just too smart and too willing to keep moving and moving and moving, moving the ball? Just It's death by a thousand cuts almost, isn't it? Like just yeah. something's going to well, open the, up. The, the difference is too, which I said to someone, is because people speak about Boston's defense, but when you go through the series, right, you're defending like your Giannis's and your Jimmy Butler they're all dudes that really want to be in around the paint and in around that area. So your defense is able to really kind of, you can play bigger people on them and you can kind of go that route with it and just be bigger and stronger. Where, as you just said, Steph, they're all constantly moving and their threat is a three ball. Yeah. So they really stretch you out. So the ability to kind of plug it up, I guess, and turn it into a, into a real physical battle and be able to play that style of game, which Boston has obviously been good at for two series in a row. This is a different world now because now you're chasing and you're trying to keep guys off the three-point line whilst defending other guys off the ball who are on the three-point line who are flat-out shooters. So I just, it's a different world because you can't just turn it into this physical bump-and-grind game because that's not how Golden State play at all. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point like that you make about Giannis, Jimmy Butler. Like There's a focus of your defense. like The help and recover from that's a little bit easier than running, even if you're switching, like just... All the screens, all the weird back cuts. There's just so many holes that can pop up. Where and the one thing too is Draymond and all that. He he's the, he's really the initiator of all. Like yeah, Steph. But the thing about Draymond is he's constantly moving too. So it's not like he's just some big, slow big out there that can't really. He's like out there moving people, passing it, cutting, doing all that stuff too. And I think like when you got a guy like that running the show in that regard, like okay, he might not make every shot or he might not shoot a lot of shots. But if you sit off him so far, he's now just playing two-on-one with whoever Steph's defender is or Clay's. And it's just – it's it's a different world of stuff. So who's your tip for the rest of the series? I, I feel like Golden State – I actually – I'd like Golden State to win, I think. I think it's a pretty cool story. I really like Steph, obviously. Um, I love Clay and how, he, how he's come back from his injury. And, you know, I just – I'd be pretty happy with a Golden State win. <laughs> I think that was one of the points that the we in our previews for this. Like, it's pretty incredible to think that this all started like in 2015, and mm. they're still in a finals in 2022. Like, it just one of those moments where you go, "Yeah, this is a really good basketball team." <laughs> like, and like, and, and like awesome. a few years, right, where like injuries and so on, and people are like, "No, they're done." They kind of get that original band back together. Yeah. I mean, I guess Bogues is probably part of that original band, and they kind of. 
end up with a almost like for like in Harrison Barnes to um, Wiggins. Yeah. Similar, and here here we are again. So I just it's yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And even Wiggins, like I just I thought he got so hard done by got drafted to Cleveland. Then all of a sudden they end up getting LeBron. He gets traded, and it just was a mess for him to start his career. Okay, number one draft, he comes with some pressure, but kind of never been in the headlines, never sucked, never done anything, just played wherever he was, and now he's in Golden State just doing a job and doing a pretty good job, which I think is pretty cool. Well, he's, he's Canadian. You know, he's happy to fit in. It's great. That's um, true. <laughs> so really quickly, you're a Lakers fan, so I've got three quick yeah, nahs for you. Darvin Ham, yeah, nah. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but yeah. <laughs> Some of the other options out there, Jason, were uh, pretty dire, I thought. So I feel like the Lakers landed on the right coach out of the ones that they could have gotten. But you, you called this really early on. You had a tweet literally after the trade. I hope I'm wrong, but I really don't think Westbrook with the Lakers works at all. How does he help LeBron and AD? You nailed that. That's that. Was, you could not have nailed a tweet more perfectly. So do you reckon they trade him this offseason? Yeah, nah. <laughs> I'm just going to say... Yeah, I bloody hope so. <laughs> and this is the simple one. Like, So LeBron, he's uh, under contract for one more year. Uh, there's all that speculation. Oh, maybe they should trade him. That'd be... Oh, maybe you should trade LeBron. Oh, fuck that. They're not going <laughs> to trade LeBron. The question is, can they make the playoffs? Can they win another title with LeBron? What do you think? Yeah, nah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There you go. So you're predicting a big bounce back? Yeah, I just think... I think if you if you get the right crew around him, like I mean, look, he still had a very very good year last year with what they had, and Anthony Davis barely played, and as I said, Westbrook couldn't be the uh, a worse option alongside of him. If you, at the end of the day, if you think about anyone else that was alongside him, if that was a Lillard or someone like that, they make the playoffs. So I just. I still believe he's got enough in his body that if they get that right with the pieces around him, he has enough influence on the game that they'll be around the mark. Love it. Um, yeah, it's like, I think as you pointed out, right, like how does he help LeBron and AD? It's like, yeah, he can't shoot. So, uh, no. Not sure just, and he work. needs the ball. Yeah, tough saying. He needs the ball. And that doesn't mean he's a bad player. He's been a very good player for a long time, but he just he doesn't fit around... I mean, I don't even know where he fits, to be honest, these days, but he doesn't fit with that crew yeah. in terms of them trying to win. And that was clearly obvious, as we've just seen this last year. Well, big off-season ahead, though. Uh, anyway, um, last one. Do you and Sobes and uh, some of the other dudes have, like, a uh, – do you have the dad chat like everybody else does? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't – but Sobes is next door, so our dad chat consists of over the fence or <laughs> just walking into each other's house, but – um, no, we don't necessarily have a dad chat, but obviously there's a lot of group chats flying around, which we're always involved in. So love it. Um, no specific dad chat. Yeah, because we've got the uh, you know me, a couple of other mates, and it's like, I've actually got two different dad chats, and it's like literally just like photos of our kids doing dumb shit, which is always great because just like <laughs> look at it. it makes me happy that it's not just my squid is an absolute fucking idiot who would just do the craziest dumbest shit in the world. No, it's everybody. I could so. be right there with you. Nice. Awesome. Jason Gaddy, this has been unreal. Thanks for coming back on, man. Appreciate it. And best of luck with the next season. Thanks for having me anytime. This is Shane Hill, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Great moments in NBA Australia start history. 
All right, NBA Australia, never forget the 2015 NBA Finals Deliversary. You little bloody ripper, that's right. Back in 2015. Little kid from Maribara tore it all up. That's right. So let's set the scene. A New York deli prior to Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Me, scratching a deli cat, carrying 80 million beers and a life-size cutout of King Deli. Manuel, the man behind the counter. Hola, Mr. James. Me. Scan on, Manuel. Manuel, not as much as you, Mr. James. Why so many beers? Are you, as you say, smashing cans tonight? Me. Damn straight I am, Manuel. You should know why too, Manuel. Pointing. Is it something to do with your green and yellow hat? Me? Yep. And the Australian flag you're carrying? Me? Yep. Manuel. And the life-size cutout of a smiling basketball man you're carrying? Me? Grinning even harder. You better bloody believe it, Manuel. Manuel. Who is the basketball Mister man, Mr. James? Me? Wait. Manuel, you don't know who this life-size cutout bloke is? Manuel. Nah, lo siento, no, Mr. James. Me? Damn it, Manuel. Your shop is named after him. Manuel's Deli, says Manuel. Me, well, all right, he's half named for him. Okay, uh, his name is Manuel. Me, nah, mate, the other half, Manuel. Okay, his name is Deli. Me, bingo. Well, his name is Matthew Della Vadova. Full name, King Deli of Maribara, first of his name, gatherer of loose balls, dunker of rims, stopper of curries, and smanker, smasher of tins. There you go. Manuel, muy bueno, Mr. James. Does Mr. King Deli have a deli gut though like Mr. Whiskers? Mr. Wiggers, brr, brr. Me, scratching Mr. Wickers. Nah, not that I know of, but anyway, Manuel, you should know how uh, tonight's Game 3 of the NBA Finals, right? Manuel, see, me. Well, today is a national holiday in Australia. It's the Deliversary. Manuel, see, que? Huh? Many happy returns, Mr. James. Me. Cheers, Manuel. See, it's because eight years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever, in Game 3 of the NBA Finals in 2015, our national hero, Outback Jesus himself, rose from the dead and smote the Golden State Warriors with such might that Steph Curry, Manuel, ah, the little man you always call the little dork and swear at so much when we see him on the telly here. Me. The very one, Manuel. Anyway, so Delhi rushed into service as Kyrie Spud Irving fell by the wayside with an injury. And as they say, cometh the man, cometh the hour. And the hour, Manuel, was Delhi o'clock, the most righteously gritty and full of hard time in NBA history. Manuel, see you, Mr. James, whatever you say. Me, well, Manuel, let me just tell you, the Outback Jesus, King Deli himself, stepped up in probably the most inspiring Australian display since Don Bradman was staring down bloody Harold Larwood during Bodyline. He put himself in the hospital in the process. Random MYC bloke behind me. Hey, is this going to take too long? Me, excuse me? Random bloke. I said, is this going to take too long? Me, come on, mate. I'm just telling Manuel here about the story of the greatest display of point guardery the NBA Finals have ever seen. Random NYC bloke. Oh, like John Starks? Everybody in the deli, ha, 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 Except for one man who looks suspiciously like John Starks, who sighs sadly. Mate, nah, mate, look, when Delhi tore apart Golden State back in 2015, random NYC bloke, ah, oh, Delhi, is that the guy who always played dirty? Me, eyes narrowing dangerously. Have we got a problem here? Random New York City bloke behind me, ah, me, louder. Do you want to take this outside? Random New York City bloke behind me, ah, uh, no, nah, no, nah, we're good, we're good. Me, turning back, smiling to Manuel. All right, where was I, Manuel? Manuel, Mr. Daly was inspiring, Mr. James. Me, righto. So, Daly, in a whirlwind of sheer guts and determination, scored a career playoff high of 20 points. He grabbed five rebounds with the ferocity of 46 dingoes tied together in a bundle with Oki straps and passed off four assists so beautiful that Brangelina named two more of their kids after him. Manuel, mierda, what a man, Mr. James. 
Me. Too bloody right, Mierda, Manuel. The best bit is not only did he lead the Cavaliers to a win and put them up 2-1 in the finals over the Warriors, King Daly bloody well put his body in the line and played himself to exhaustion. After the game, the bloke had to be taken to the bloody hospital. Manuel, crossing himself. Random New York City bloke behind me. Holy crap. Me. Ken Oath, mate. So not only did Daly score a career playoff high, he also played bulldog defense on Steph Curry and locked him down. Amazing stuff. Manuel, incredible, Mr. James. Random New York City bloke behind me. Wowzers. Me. And there you go. Now you know why game through the NBA finals is always an Australian holiday. It's a Daly-versary in honor of King Daly, the NBA's best point guard, who played so hard that they take the scrappy little bugger to the hospital. Manuel. See, Mr. James. Mucho interestante. Random New York City bloke behind me. Unbelievable. Me. Scratching Mr. Whiskers one last time. All right, Cobbers, now you know about the Deliversary and the legend of King Deli. I'm off. Poof. Vanishes in a puff of smoke that smells like Friday night doughies in the Maraborough Mar- IGA car park. On your King Deli, dead Seth player legend, and happy Deliversary to all of us. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Oh, right. How good was that? I love having Jace on the show. Uh, always a good time. Always a great chat. Uh, always, you know, brutally honest. A lifetime spent in basketball. His dad, obviously. A, a boomer. His mum and Opal. Spent his life around the game. I love having Jace on. So, good times. Great memories. Enjoyed that. Good chat. Uh, so, last little bit on the end of this. Let's do our game preview and pick for tomorrow's Warriors Celtics. Game three of the NBA Finals. 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 Game preview. Game preview. Thanks, inadvertent Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's it all going? Ah, not bad. Tell you what. Doing work on the house has just fucking already given me a headache. We haven't even started. Not even close to starting, but still, go buy some merch, would you, so I can uh, (laughs) fund the fucking thing. Right. (laughs) Anyway, game three. Of the NBA Finals, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Warriors at Boston. Now, the first initial first blush pick back on Monday's show was Celtics minus three and a half. Coming off of uh, game one and two, you felt like they're going home. The defense, it'll probably, uh, you know, keep up appearances. It'll do what it's sort of done pretty well, apart from the uh, Warriors' third quarter explosion in game two and game one. But uh, the line hasn't moved. Boston is still favored by three and a half points. This is the we're playing at home. The defense is good. Our role players will step up. Draymond will get kicked out before halftime. <laughs> but a couple of things to also think about the Celtics haven't lost back to back games or playoffs. They haven't. They also stink at home, however. This is like the very, very stoppable object versus the very, very, very movable force. Um, I think they, what, lost four of their last seven home games across the Bucks and Heat series, which is crazy that they then went and won both of those series <laughs> despite losing home games oh, plenty in both of them. But uh, I guess, like, looking back, you think about the Bucks series... And I think this sort of tells me a lot about... Well, actually, both series, obviously. Because they lose game one 
each time round at home. They lose game three to the Heat. They go down 2-1. They lost game one of the Bucks series. And it's sort of that moment where each game you sort of saw them go in, playing at home, all amped up, and they kind of just bleh, bleh, fell apart, right? And then that game five heartbreaker that they lost to home to the Bucks as well was just absolutely brutal. But like you think about game three of um, game three of Miami, where Boston came off a blowout win in Miami, and you're like, oh god, they might you know win this in five. The Heat just kicked the shit out of them, right? And then. They held on just down the stretch. Uh, Boston left that run too late in Miami. So I kind of feel like this is one of two things, obviously, right? It's the Celtics role players step up. They're at home. They ride that wave of emotion. The offense, they get enough out of Tatum and Brown and then the likes of Smart, Horford, uh, even, you know, Peyton Pritchard. But, you know, maybe more importantly, Grant Williams hits one or two shots. Maybe three or four. If he can hit a couple of threes, it'd be kind of neat, wouldn't it? But so you got that idea of like, cool, home team, role players are going to play better. And also the Celtics just don't lose back-to-back games. They haven't. They just haven't. But it's weird, isn't it? When you think about this series and apart from one fourth quarter obliteration where everything went down for the Celtics, like the Warriors have been probably the better team. They've had two amazing third quarters that have, like, dictated games. Otherwise, they've been pretty even. And it does feel fair that this is 1-1. But for my mind, this just has all the makings of a game where Golden State come in as three-and-a-half-point underdogs and break the Celtics' fucking hat. Dude, you see that Golden State game? Dude, kid. They fucking killed us, dude. Yeah. So I think my point of this is going to be Golden State. You've got the battle-tested Warriors coming in. The over-under for this game is 212.5 points as well. So I think a Golden State plus 3.5 under bet feels pretty neat. And uh, the rest of my picks, like it feels like this is a clay game waiting, just waiting to happen, isn't it? So Clay's over-under is 18.5 points. A clay layup as the first bucket, 34 to 1. So we actually just talked about that with Jace, right? It feels like this is the sort of game where Golden State go, right, let's get clay going from the get-go. He scores like the first seven points. The Celtics are like, what just happened? This is crazy. The clay points, rebounds, assists over is only 24 and a half. I think clay can drop like 28 out of fucking nowhere. Hit a million threes and off you go. Tatum points, rebounds, assists is over 40 and a half as well. I think Tatum... He's finding a bit of a groove. He goes back home. He's already had his shit offensive game. Hopefully he doesn't have two in the same series. I think he rolls. I think he puts up a really good fight. But we get maybe a bit of an MIA moment for the rest of the Celtics. And even though Draymond gets kicked out, somehow Golden State pull this off because Clay gets everything greasing and going early on. Steph brings him home. We get a little bit of pull. And I kind of think the Warriors win this. So... I don't often change my picks even when I have the first blush. It's probably only happened two or three times this uh, playoffs, but the more I've thought about it, it just it feels like if there's going to be a time where Boston do lose two games back-to-back, it'll be to the Warriors, and it'll be when Boston get home, 
feeling like, all right, you know, we got our split in Golden State, and then they lose disastrously, same as they did in Miami, uh, in the Miami series. And I think a lot of it's going to be to do with Clay. So I did also think we'd get a big Clay game in game two. So take this with a grain of salt. But the pick, I think it's Golden State plus three and a half. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what Boston's defense does against the Warriors and if some of those gaps, the slicing and dicing, the Demtel, the Demtel food presser, Tim Shaw. If they plug some of those gaps and maybe keep it a little bit closer, I think this is a pretty close game. But I think Golden State pull it out. Look, even if Boston win, I still kind of think Golden State cover because I think that was my uh, point on Friday's show. I feel like this is a game that Boston just pull out of their ass and win by four. Now I've sort of talked myself into this is a Golden State win by just enough where it's like, oh, that's a bit of a worry. And now the Warriors are up 2-1 and Golden State are like feeling good about themselves and then Boston bounce back and win game four. So my series pick has always been Boston in six. Now I'm picking they lose this one or at least Golden State cover. So if they win this, Golden State still cover. Jimmy looks great and amazing. But at the same time, even if they lose this, I still think Boston in six is still my pick pretty handily because I think they can lose this game and then win the next three in a row. Just saying. Either way, this series is fucking awesome and I'm excited for game three tomorrow. And we'll talk all about it on tomorrow's show. That's right. Love it. All right. So there you go. Uh, Thanks to Jace Kadee from the Brisbane Bullets popping on. Always having a great chat. What a great guest. Love a bit of Dad Strayer as well. Always fun. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face the IGs. We're all over the socials all the time. Uh, you can read that Deliversary piece that uh, happened earlier. Good times there. That was fun. Uh, check out NFL Australia. Go subscribe to that. We should have an off-season uh, show dropping soon as well. World Wrestling Australia with Adam. That's over on YouTube. NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Help me clear out the uh, box in the spare room, would you? Come on. Uh, <laughs> Chuck us a rating review on your podcast app uh, and go ta- check out Knowable. Download that. Get 20% off when you're banging the code straight up. Uh, big thanks to From Oslo for the intro and outro song, Legendary Band, and uh, Joshua Delarantis, Fascinated, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers. They provide all the tunes throughout this show. So smash them all in Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify. Have you listening to tunes? Support Australian bands. That's what NBA Australia does. All right, we'll close out today's show with a quick jingles, HR. Oh, it's an emotional one, too. And we will catch you tomorrow to wrap up Game 3 of the NBA Finals. 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 And this is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And... Later, husband. G'day, Joe Ingalls here, head of Jingles HR, yep, the world's leading HR solutions firm. Because when I'm not sinking threes, rehabbing my knee or enjoying Portland's bloody great coffee, I'm out here uh, in Portland, also enjoying my real estate in Paul George's head. Yeah, that's right. I'm the world's leading HR expert, helping you with all your HR questions and problems. So, let's get to this week's question, shall we? It comes from a... Quinn? In Salt Lake City... Oh, no. Oh, not this one. This, oh, jeez. All right, here we go. Dearest Joseph. Oh, bloody hell. This is already breaking my heart. I, I just quit a job that I loved. It broke me bloody heart 
But my favourite employee moved away this year and it just hasn't been the same since. Oh, God. You're killing me. And the guys who are left, I mean, what a bunch of crybaby sooks. You couldn't pay me enough to just deal with just them without my favourite employee. Oh, you're breaking my heart here, Quinn. Any tips for the recently resigned, your friend forever, Quinn, Salt Lake City? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not crying. You're crying. Oh, I think this, oh, no, this is from, and I've got to assume Quinn means when Elijah Hughes was uh, moved on by Utah. No, of course not. Oh, jeez, break me hearty, Quinn. Uh, no KPIs, no tips or no circling back from today's HR manager. And just a heartfelt thanks to a great bloke and an even better friend. Because, look, um, yeah, we don't often get emotional here in the HR business, but sometimes you just got to look. If I had to put all emotion aside, I'd say just do what you do and trust in yourself because I know you, Quinn, and I know that you'll go on and do bloody great things because you've got a little thing we here at Jingles HR like to call heart. That's right, a bloody great big heart he does. He really does. So best of luck, Quinn. <laughs> oh, God. It's dusty in here, I tell you. Hey. Look, everyone knows you're unreal, so you'll end on your feet, all right? Oh, God, I'm a blubbering mess, so I better pack it up and get back to me rehab. Right, that's all I've got time for this week on Jingles HR. I've been Joe Ingalls. Go get a rehab up, yeah. Yeah.